and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch classic movies to see if they hold up for the modern viewer. Today's film is, again, not a classic movie because we're doing a 2023 wrap-up, okay? Don't hate. Today's film is Knock at the Cabin, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, starring Jonathan Groff and Dave Bautista. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Juzo Greenwood. Juzo, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty well. Doing a lot of I've sort of finished my catch up of 2023 movies. I'm moving into the editing phase of things. I guess it's no secret to say. And uh, also, I have to report the good news that uh, my dad is free of COVID, and I seem like my taste has come back finally, or come back Ooh. to its original strength. Well, how do you actually annoying. know? How do you know? Because one of those things about memory is like. You you remember some? It could be like you were at a hundred percent taste, and then you got COVID. You were at like thirty percent taste, and then you go up. It to could 70. be. It could be I'm at maybe ninety eight percent or something. But I, there's certain things I know how they smell or how they mm. taste. Like I've just eaten yeah, or yeah. smelled my entire life that I should know. I mean, even just simple things like I know how my like. <laughs> I mean, never mind. Just like it's like. A, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like my bo smell like there's that sort of thing where it's like very um you know it's so ubiquitous i'm sort of like it was weird to not be able to smell that sort of thing mm. um and um but yeah taste i don't know i was it, it was around thursday you know what it was i was on the subway and i started just like i can smell i was wearing a mask too through my mask i could smell the uh bart or the caltrain and i was like ooh, that's pretty good because is that um, is that indicative of your uh, smell returning or is it indicative of the sad state of, of public transportation? Well, it was live? even on the Caltrain too, which is usually cleaner. <laughs> uh, I so see. I would yeah, say yeah. You're right. You're and right. It, it's, it wasn't like a bad smell. It's just like the kind of musty, weird smell. Um, anyway, that's, this is what the, uh, the listeners tune in for here is, is a report <laughs> on my health, but it is very nice. I have to, it was the most irksome part of having COVID like really is, sure. is not having, um, I'm amazed you haven't had COVID. That's kind of, shocking to me right for some reason uh i thought you did but no. uh yeah that's i i definitely would take like the brutal like fever for you know 30 hours than not having your full taste for a month that's pretty annoying yeah, yeah for sure um so doing pretty good pretty pretty solid i don't know if i'm gonna finish this video by the oscars that's always my goal um <laughs> it was a little easier last year actually because i was kind of stuck in a royal grande and i i it was like i had nothing else to do you know but now, right now, I'm like, I'm about to see Dune. I'm actually going to see Dune two consecutive days, and we're going to go to the ramen shop two consecutive days. Oh, <laughs> like that it's basically going to awesome. be just complete Groundhog Day because my dad's <laughs> birthday, and then it's like hanging with you and Tim and Kiana. So, um, yeah, things are looking up for sure. Uh, how are you yeah. doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, this week was a little bit of a crazy week, so we're publishing a little bit later than we usually do. But, um, oh, right. Yeah, I. Uh, um, I started the newest season of True Detective, and I gotta say, I'm not usually one who's like, who's like, oh, this is like straight up bad. I think this might be actually straight up bad. It's it's really weird. Ooh, I, I <laughs> what I've heard, yeah, yeah. I I was I was pretty shocked. I was pretty shocked at the level of quality drop between even the third season, which isn't like it. You know, it's. I would say it's it's good. It's not amazing. Like the f the first season of True Detective is like still kind of peak television in some ways. Um, mm. 
And season three is still really good. It's engaging. I, I like the storyline and, you know, I like all is that Is that the stuff. one with Mahershala? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I haven't seen I, any of True Detective, but I heard three was probably, I've, it generally it seems like that's the second best one uh, from what yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, you know what? I did. I actually skipped two because people said it was so bad and I, I'm regretting yeah. not skipping uh, this season, but it is only yeah. six episodes. But man, I'm, I'm like, I'm super shocked. Also, um, I don't mean to like, this sounds rude because I'm like calling this lady out, but like the the director, I feel like has not done anything really. Like She did some like, small movie, like she did a horror movie or something. Um, it might have even been like something Barry Jenkins produced. I feel like he kind of, like, I hope I'm not getting that wrong, but I, I think he, I feel like I he was the one I heard of Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, but I've never seen any of her work. Um, yeah, it's so I, I her don't name's know what Issa Lopez. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I don't so, want to say that she's like not not talented or whatever. I I'm not sure, but from just this season, like they, she's the writer and director of all of the episodes, which is a little mm-hmm. strange when it's like someone who's kind of more or less a no name, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It feels like I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say because I'm like, maybe. Well, what's this so, what's is, so this bad about not, it though? Um, for me, what what really doesn't work about it, and what what the first the first season is so great because it it relies on this kind of cold, almost like, um. N- it's a very like nihilistic worldview that it, that it's wrapped up in. And it kind of has mm-hmm. this, um, this like deep sense of, of the fallen state of humanity in a lot of ways. Um, right. Kind of a noir. Yeah. Yeah. Bleak vision. And it's very, yeah. it's very, very serious. That's the thing. It's very serious. Um, this newest season, what's frustrating is they've started to incorporate things that I think are, very um ungrounded you could say um oh. that are <laughs> more on the uh horror-ish element side of things um, okay and huh. i just find it a really weird choice i don't think it's right for for this series it's never been what this series has done to go into kind of it's like almost supernatural in some ways, um, which is very frustrating for me. I I hope you can, you know, when you I, take no, a, I, I, you take a series. Like, imagine if if there's a you know a series, all three seasons are like very straightforward, you know, crime detective show, and then you throw in this you know paranormal element to it. It just makes me very like lost at what that what the kind of point of things is well, it's um, kind of a weird thing about modern tv is how you can kind of it uh, they, they start to sort of sneak in basically different seasons i mean true yeah. detective was an anthology i think each, each season has yeah. different characters so they already kind of did this um but, but it's, it it's a be. way you can kind of sneak things in under the like something that would be maybe just a completely different show becomes a true detective show and then there's a certain built-in expectation they're, they're doing this a lot with with other um other tv show 
brands. I know White Lotus is one, but White Lotus is at least is the same guy each time. Uh, Mike White is always doing it. Um, um, oh, the TV show Feud or you know Genius. There's shows that are designed to be like kind of rejiggered completely, but mm-hmm. they bring in it becomes their its own form of IP, which I guess is kind of I guess it's better than just recycling the same characters, I suppose. And in theory, it should be like oh, you know, giving a new filmmaker a chance at something. But everything I've heard from most people is that the, this season is bad. Including yeah. the the creator of the original True Detective, who has been pretty <laughs> open about it on Instagram. It seems has like. he Fukunaga? Yeah, yeah, he's or he's been um, no, not Fukunaga. Uh, Nick Pizzolatto oh. who did the original. Like right, he's right, been right, retweeting right. all sorts of like people hating on it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's I kind guess of frustrating. I imagine if I was him, also because they they like kind of explicitly reference um, the first season of of True Detective. And so if I was him, I would be a little bit annoyed about that, where it's like you go in this totally different direction. It's almost not even the same show. And then you so you do something that hasn't been done in the in the rest of the entire show, which is reference the first season. You know, there's never been a there's never been a tie in for any of the other seasons, as far as I know. I see. Uh, You know, and so like that's a little. So it's kind of going astray, but also it's like trying to capitalize a little on the, the remember this from the original show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm going to finish it because it's only six episodes. I'm three episodes in, Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of, I'd say it's for me, I just want to see where things go, but yeah, I'm not, I would not personally recommend this season, but Juzo for you, I would seriously highly recommend watching um, the first season. I think it's one of the best, um, some of the best TV, you know, basically ever. I think it's so good. So, you know, such a great um, short story, essentially, about these two detectives. So, yeah, I definitely am am interested. It's it's too bad. I think on paper, both of us would be inclined definitely to want to see a show with Jodie Foster as I know. a detect I mean like to me that's just like it seems like our you know something we would enjoy but <laughs> yeah, um, I know that's I agree terrible unfortunate that didn't work out um anything else you got to report on here um no I think that was kind of all that I've been watching um yeah I a little bit of uh Anthony Bourdain's uh, no reservations a little bit of that oh nice that, but He's, you know, those shows are just so great. No, no reservations. And, uh, um, what the other one, I forgot, uh, I forgot what what's called. the other parts one? unknown parts unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, he was the best. Yeah. He was amazing. But anyways, what have you been, uh, watching? Uh, so let's see a little bit less than normal, just since I've been doing a lot of editing, a uh, mixed class. We watched, um, the movie Desperately Seeking Susan. Have you heard of this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think I've Have you seen, seen it? it. Yeah. Oh, no. You, I, in fact, I think you logged it on Letterboxd because I saw, has a Cameron seen this movie? Yes, I have. Um, I have. Um, was it for yeah, your film class? Madonna. Just... It, was, it was for yeah. my screwball comedy class. Oh, that makes so much sense. It really yeah. is like a screwball, kind of like it a is. Hawks movie. 100%. Um, yeah. 
it's kind of nonsense, but it was it was pleasant to look at and to I, I was just like it, it, I mean it, the crazy thing about the eighties is they'd have the silliest stories and just it would be kind of goofy stuff like this or flash dance, but then the movie looks like more amazing than Oppenheimer, you know, like it just <laughs> they'd always look insane. This and it's this one's shot by Ed Lockman, who shot like Carol and um, the Limey, like all these great uh, Todd Haynes movies and stuff and. Uh, just looks fantastic, and you know Madonna's, I think, quite good in the movie, uh, and and Rosanna Arquette is really good. Um, there's also a very funny performance by Rosanna Arquette's um, husband, who's like this sort of straight laced guy who gets kind of caught up in everything. He's a guy named Mark Bloom, and I was like, this guy's so familiar. And I realized, do you remember the scene in Succession where there's a guy retiring? And he takes Tom aside and he tells him about cruises. And he says, like, he's very yeah. like good natured. <laughs> I just that scene always sticks with me because that guy is so good. Uh, and actually, he passed away uh, actually really, really recently. But he's, uh. he was so good at the way he played this kind of like blithe, like, oh, it's no big deal. But I just want to tell you, you know, you're sitting on a, the pit of hell or whatever he says. And uh, yeah, it's it's a, a fantastic scene uh, in succession. And uh, he was he's very good in the movie. Uh, so I just thought I'd shout him out. Um, and then just kind of the tail end of my recap of the year of like catching up on things. Um, I, I watched a film called Rye Lane, which was a, a British movie. Very kind of slight, like 80 minute, um, very charming sort of pretty conventional rom-com but it definitely had kind of some of the link later vibes a lot of uh, these two characters kind of connecting and uh walking around uh london which is shot absolutely beautifully in this really interesting use of color um it, it probably goes in a little bit kind of a, a more generic rom-com direction than i was maybe hoping but um it was it was it was definitely a, a fun watch um, and then the final movie of my, my uh, you know, basically at a certain point I have to drop the, the doors down, drop the hammer down and say, no, I can't watch anything more. Because if I start editing, I have such a, there's such a, a strict framework to everything. If mm-hmm. I see something that jumps in, it's going to, it's like a, um, a house of cards. It's just going to ruin the whole thing. So what, what the cutoff was me rewatching Oppenheimer for uh, the sixth time and the first time at home. And um, I have to say, Cameron, when you watch the movie with subtitles and uh, you can <laughs> rewind it and go, what do they say? Because it's very fast and they're all talking like Sorkin characters. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and also you can pause it and eat some you know, granola and then go back to the movie. Uh, kind of, I have to say, improve the experience. I think it was definitely the most I enjoyed the movie. Um, hmm. To be honest, I think probably each time at least the last three times i saw it in the theater i fell asleep just for different I mean, one of the times it was like the day after your wedding so i mean i just i think i haven't really had a good viewing experience despite the you know seeing it in the big theater um since um well maybe maybe not ever because the first time i i was clear-headed but there's so much to take in it's like i couldn't really process it but now i get what he's going for and i think I realized I was like, this is not as much a movie I was thinking it was going to be about like process and about um, mm-hmm. like the process of the creation and the science behind everything. And um, and even it's not as much about his it is about his guilt. Um, but I realize it's it's more interesting to look at in terms of like principles and in terms of how the characters are kind of um, 
like who 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 stands behind what they believe in and who doesn't and who's and and also how Oppenheimer kind of tries to play both angles and have principles but also sort of abandon them. I mean, and that is embodied in all aspects of his life including his his personal life. Um so it's it's an interesting movie. I still would say it's probably the least enjoyable Christopher Nolan movie, but I mean like kind of it's not surprising. Um and it's not I I I think it's overstuffed like it almost should be four hours but um (laughs) yeah so it's still low on my list of my nolan rankings um but i enjoyed it a lot more Mm. um and then continuing on the nolan theme i also i just today a few hours ago saw tenet um for the first time at the grand lake theater i think this is my third time in theaters maybe my fifth time i was doing a calculation the other day and i think i think i have visited the movies the most times uh, for Christopher Nolan movies. Like, there are directors who I've seen more of their movies in theaters, like maybe Spielberg or Scorsese, but I think I've made a total of like 18... I've gone to movies 18 (laughs) times to see Nolan's movies, which I think is more than any other director. Um, I don't know, man. I I know Cameron, you saw it four times, five times. You've remained staunchly on the anti-tenant train, and you couldn't be more wrong uh, this movie <laughs> is kicks ass. It's so cool. Um, the protagonist is is awesome. Uh, it's just a delight to watch. It makes doesn't make no sense. Maybe even Christopher Nolan. Did you see the interview where he recently? He's like he's like the movie doesn't completely make sense, but uh, you know just try to enjoy it. Like he, he basically just admitted it. Um, uh, God, but God, man, like there's so many great just the sequences and the, the opening, uh, the opera, the Freeport heist, the part where John David Washington scrapes the side of a guy's face off with a cheese grater, um, the truck, uh, sequence. And I have to say even stuff like, like, uh, Elizabeth Debicki's character and, um, uh, well, the, the way that sort of concludes, I think is really great. Um, and I have to say, I kind of even understood the finale a little bit more. It's a little bit chaotic. <laughs> for sure but it's i i thought it was fun i don't know um it's it's a good i don't know i think it's a good uh film and uh again it's probably it's i would call this his most flaw his most flawed movie oppenheimer is his least fun this is his most flawed and they're both still you know i would still put him behind like insomnia or the prestige or dark knight rises um but um you know Nolan at his weakest is still more fun, entertaining, um, and and also just like beautifully crafted than you know ninety percent of movies. Uh, well, so I was gonna bring it up experience. earlier um, when we were talking before oh, yeah, the we, show, yeah, but you had some comments. I um I came across and it really it puts it into a great picture of of how I feel about Nolan. Um, and it, it gives me like such a great understanding of who he is as a filmmaker, yeah. as a person. Um, he uh, he was talking about the line in The Dark Knight where he said, you know, um, Aaron Eckhart, he's, he's, you know, at the dinner table, they're talking about, um, uh-huh. you know, the Batman. And he says, you either, you know, die a hero or live long enough to, to see yourself become a villain. Right. And um, and the interview was basically he was he was saying like well, he never really understood that line that Jonathan <laughs> Nolan wrote it. 
I think I saw but that. He never, yeah, yeah, yeah. He never got it. He never got the line. Um, and he was like, well, I'll just keep it in here because I, I don't know. Um, I guess it sounds it's cool. cool. Yeah. I don't know. I find this hard to believe. This seems like pretty basic comprehension. But <laughs> And this is why know. this is why, like, sometimes I am a little hard on on Nolan in terms of like his I think his storytelling can be some of his his the weakest things that he does like the actual physical mechanical a to b plot uh sequencing is is at least in his you know most recent days that's been some of his weakest elements in his movies um the explain and tenet in particular definitely has a lot of explaining and you know people trying to you know a lot of exposition i guess and it and it does make me wish that Jonathan Nolan was a little more um involved in it in, in the guy's uh you know oh, filmmaking career. Saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I'm like mm-hmm. I I he Nolan Jonathan Nolan, he understands I think script writing. He understands the mechanics of a story. Um he gets those things, but I, I don't I I I don't think he's a I mean I don't think he's I think the two of them, they're like yin and yang, you know, and when they come together, they make a full circle. They and work it's, together it's well. Yeah. Though I've, on the other hand, I will say I don't think Jonathan co-wrote Inception, which I think is still his best yeah. movie. But he did. That's I think true. he co-wrote Interstellar and the Batman movies, and he wrote the story for Memento. Um so he's pretty involved. Dunkirk is a little sort of like there's no Jonathan, but the movie has no like there's no story, there's no character. Like it's just it's just pure kind of storytelling. I kind of realize yeah. that's why Dunkirk didn't get the kind of coronation that Oppenheimer seems to get because it's like to to people it was just an action movie. It wasn't a prestige historical movie, even though it was. Yeah. Um, it was. But it's also just why a, it worked so well because Nolan is telling oh, a completely visual story you know there's there's almost no need for for anything other than what he's representing visually and that's some of his best some of the best stuff that he does you know oh i Um, mean it's i think it's his best movie since inception uh yeah maybe by far i mean i like interstellar a lot but um yeah it's it's sort of him stripped down to the most elemental um he makes the writing thing work. I was kind of digging some of the writing and the dialogue in, in oppenheimer this time around like there's definitely some good writing and also him doing some of the callbacks and you know like the when he hugs his brother and he says you're happy i'm happy and then it like pays off like two and a half hours later into the movie like so and so many things i uh is robbie handing him the the tangerine there's just like you know he's, he's good at this stuff um but yeah i wouldn't obviously wouldn't be opposed to the brothers uh getting back together again um but yeah, that's most of what I. Oh, and then oh, the one other thing I watched. This is actually pretty cool. I went to the Four Star Theater in San Francisco, and I saw a, another uh, was a move, new movie last year called Dream and Wild, which is a, a um, I guess you call it a musical biopic. Um, but it's by a director who makes actually good ones. He made a movie about Brian Wilson called Love and Mercy, mm-hmm. and these are like two of the only musical like biopics about famous musicians that don't like. To- aren't horrible from the last 10 years. Um, 
um, this one are not about super famous musicians. This guy, uh, Donnie Emerson, who him and his brother, they wrote an album when they were like 16 and they recorded it in a studio that their dad made on their like ranch. And then I think about 30 years later, they became really famous. And um, it's a very quiet, small, it's like the antithesis of Oppenheimer as a biopic, like very small scale, low budget, quiet movie. Um, but really, I think one of my favorites of of the year, and I'd seen it maybe in August, um, but at the four star, they got the real guy to come and he played like a full set. Like he played like five songs with his wife wow. and, and he was great. Like he's a lot of times you see some of these guys are older, they lose their voice, that sort of thing. But uh, this guy, his name is Donnie Emerson. Um, it was really cool. And it's a small, you know, it's like a small theater. It's like the size of one of the Shattuck screens. Yeah. Um, so it's a very intimate way to hear live music. I also always complain live music is, even if it's the greatest thing ever, it's like we see Rodrigo and Gabriela. After like about an hour, I'm just like, it's enough. All right. You know, we don't. I don't need to be here for two hours. And so like 25 minutes is like the only time I've ever seen live music other than maybe like Nicholas Portel where I was actually wishing it was longer. Um, so that on top of seeing a really good movie, it was a great uh, live performance and also Q&A um, with this you know very underrated musician the album is also called dream and wild by the way that the emerson brothers um recorded in i guess the late 70s um it's a really cool story and very touching um touching movie and 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 a very sweet uh his his parent i mean just the the kindness of his father to build them this studio like a professional studio for him just because he appreciated the music um, I love the performance Bo Bridges gives as his dad. And I have to say, maybe I've just got Ozu on the mind, but his acting in the movie reminded me a lot of uh, Chishu Ryu and his kind of really mm. um, restrained, kind of a little bit unknowable at times, but and then the kind of, but but always very good natured and smiling on the surface. Um, whatever Bo Bridges is, I don't know if he is consciously emulating this, but he definitely made me think of, of, uh, of, uh, that actor who always plays the the dad in the Ozu movies. Um, so really, really cool experience. It's a bit of a trek to get over to the four star. It's about like an hour and a half to get it over there, but it was, it was worth it. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Well, uh, this is Cinema Spectator. You can check us out on Patreon. And uh, yeah, let's like jump into uh, like and subscribe. Let's jump into Knock at the Cabin. I'm interested in talking about this one because there's, I think there's, there is a lot to talk about with this movie. And I want to say yeah. just off the bat, I actually really liked it. I liked it all the way through. I don't even think Shyamalan, uh, you know, dropped the ball at the end. Um, no, I don't even no, think so, no. you know, and it's a, it's surprise. There's parts that are surprising that people, I don't know. A part of me is like, I'm surprised that people didn't like this movie more. Um, and then there's other parts of me where I'm like, I can understand why people didn't like this movie very much. Oh, um, sure. so for I, different I, reasons. Yeah. F- yeah, exactly. For, for like 10 different reasons uh, that I can yeah. think of. Um, so yeah, so I guess, uh, do you want to just give us a little, little bit of a summary, uh, in terms of, uh, plot and we don't have to go into too many spoilers. I think it's a pretty simple uh, one, but yeah, um, it's, it's a pretty yeah. straightforward movie. It's, it's about a couple, uh, played by, 
um, Ben Aldrich and Jonathan Groff, who were fans of from Mindhunter, um, who are staying at a cabin in middle of the woods with their adopted daughter, Wen. Um, and then Dave Bautista walks out of the woods as you know, very imposing figure, former wrestler, Dave Bautista, but a very kind sort of has a very kind interaction with the daughter. And um, then his three accomplices sort of come out and they, uh, well, I guess it's the premise of the movie. They, they bring him into the cabin and, and eventually pose them with this conundrum of, um, we're, we four are here to tell you that if you, one of you three don't kill the, if one of you three don't kill the other, um, the world will come to an end. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, we can't get into too much here, but you, you're sort of wondering how much this is. Is this real? Is this just people who are either uh, conspiracy or even something more sinister? Um, what's really going on? Definitely the classic Shyamalan thing of um, a huge world events um, taking place, but in a very <laughs> contained location. He seems to kind of really mm-hmm. like these kind of um, one location movies. Um more and more as he's as he's sort of his career has progressed um we actually reviewed his movie old uh on i think on my channel actually um which i think was came out in 2021 uh a movie i'm very fond of but i think is <laughs> is definitely a flawed film and i think as cameron alluded to is is a shaky he, he's shaky on the exit with that one um i don't really know what the you know uh conventional wisdom is about Shyamalan because I'm just so ensconced in the film world where just everyone's like god Shyamalan genius you know like they probably like him even more than I do um <laughs> because I think for a lot of people people still think of him as like oh Mick Mick is an example of this thinks of him like he made a great movie and then he fell off and never made a good movie ever again and I don't really think that's true at all um, I think that is what I, most I think people it, think I think most people think Unbreakable is good. I think most people, yeah. everyone thinks Sixth Sense and Unbreakable are great. Um, I think when it gets to signs in the village, people are a little bit like, uh, some people dig it, some people don't. I happen to think Signs is, is I think, my favorite of his movies, even though it's a little, mm. in- have you seen Signs? No, I haven't. It's like, I mean, it's a little like this in that you could, you know, I think there's ways you could look at signs, knock at the cabin, definitely old, and just say this is completely ludicrous. This is the stupidest thing ever. Um, if you were really cynical about it, um, but his work seems to, for me, sort of transcends that by being um, both just technically on a technical level brilliant, like his his staging, his camera work, um, the performances he gets from people are knock at the cabin. I think some of the best work. Uh, you could some of the best directorial work you could see in any movie in 2023 absolutely peak of the craft um but also there's and and then there's a part of it that's a little bit ridiculous but it it somehow sort of transcends that with like the emotion and the camera work and all that sort of thing um i know did i mention this is also based on a novel uh called the cabin i think it's called the cabin at the end of the world um And I think it's the second, this and old are the first times I believe Shyamalan has adapted other people's material, um, which I kind of think maybe is good for him because it frees him a little bit from just coming up with everything himself, which can be a little hit or miss. Um, I don't know. I think 
I did like Split. I guess that was an original movie. Oh uh, yeah, and to come back to the career timeline thing after the village, Lady in the Water. I don't think Lady in the Water is super interesting. Lady in the Water is a fascinate is just fascinating to me, but it's very also very bad. Um, <laughs> well, not very bad, but it's very flawed. Uh, I don't. Yeah. It's 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 a movie. I think you could teach like a three week class on. Like it's it, you could teach more of a class on it than many films I would give five stars to, but I think it's also like embarrassing. Um, and then people really fall off with the happening. I don't really get why people hate that movie so much. It's not really good, but to me, it's just like kind of a, you know, kind of a so-so thriller. It's, it's not like Tommy Weiss. So like people act like that movie is so bad because there's <laughs> comedy elements, but to me, it's just like Sean Mullen, like, being funny successfully like he knows that casting mark Wahlberg as a science teacher is funny like i don't think it's an accident um so it's you know it's 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 not so bad last airbender is terrible that's this is all agreed upon it's 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 atrocious um and it's the only movie of his i think has no like worth outside of like oh it's flawed but it's interesting like there's nothing interesting about that movie it's just a bad blockbuster and boring um, but even after Earth, like, is pretty terrible. But there's parts of it that are kind of like I got choked up watching After Earth. Like that's that's the power of Shyamalan. I'm like, this is so bad. And then I'm like, am I crying watching this? Will Smith's son. Um, and, and then since then, he's sort of gone his own way. I think I don't know if he's self financing mm-hmm. his movies. He definitely has kind of creative control. Um, and The Visit is is better than Airbender and After Earth. I'm not crazy about the visit. Some people are like total return to form. Um, but Split was great. Split was great. Glass is another one I need to like see again. Cause I, I kind of thought it was not great, but again, I was like super moved by it at the end. Um, it's, it's, it's a shaky, very weird movie. Um, but with these last two, I just, I'm like, man, I think, I think he's almost, he's, he's almost back to the level of the nineties, two thousands. And, um, and I think this is his best movie since science, like his best since mm. the, the great period. Um, I'm not sure how much you've been tracking the oeuvre of M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> other than watching old at my request. Not, um, yeah, not much. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I've seen the sixth sense unbreakable, old and i think that's it i didn't see split yeah. um yeah i think i think that's all and and from my knowledge because i'm kind of a normie when it comes to to the Shyamalan love or hate um yeah. my knowledge was that he was kind of just a punchline you know throughout the the you know late 2000s early 2010s oh, yeah. um you know when when in my formative years. So it was always, you know, Oh, I'm night show. I'm a blah, blah, twists, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's always what know. I thought too, growing up. I was, cause yeah, yeah it, it was that time. 2010 is last airbender. That's the, when we started following movies kind of. Yeah. And so yeah. it was always like, Oh, this guy, he totally, you, it was not like even a joke. Like people would sincerely call him like the worst living director. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it was kind of a surprise when it was only split was the first time I went to see one of his movies in theaters. Cause I never, I was just mm. like, this sounds kind of bad. And, um, but I think it was, I think it might've been after old was like, I went back and I watched all of them. Cause I was like, Oh, okay. I wasn't familiar with this, with his game here. You know, <laughs> I'm going back and, and being like, these are actually pretty, in- even the bad ones are kind of enjoyable to me. Um, and 
yeah, I don't know. This I, I, I dig this one for sure. Yeah. So for me, I, I think it's it's interesting because there's there's a lot of um I think like a lot of Shyamalan movies, there's a lot of of the heavy lifting um of this movie that's wrapped into kind of the premise of it. Um and there's this there's the sense that, you know, a lot of what you're feeling, what you're sort of empathizing with, with the characters, um, you know, is, is about the fact that they don't, you know, they're not sure if they should believe they're trying to be convinced. There's this kind of, um, you know, skepticism that's also happening with your own thoughts about things. Right. Um, you're Mm -hmm. not sure if you can believe what you're saying. Although for me, um, it's interesting because I, I don't know why, but I, I kind of never didn't believe them. It's, it's weird. I, I was never, um, uh, I never had the moment of doubt of like, you know, well, but I was also empathizing that they're, uh, in this position where they're almost like incentivized not to believe them, obviously, because they don't want right. to kill a loved one, you know? So right. there's this, there was this interesting, um, play in my mind where I was like, I think the end is it's actually just going to happen. Like, I think these are the, all of these things are signs to, (laughs) you know, what, Mm -hmm. what's actually going to happen in the end. Um, and I think it, it, it's, it's an interesting process of seeing him go back and forth to, um, you know, to, um, Jonathan Groff's character, who is kind of more sympathetic in some ways. He's, he's always a little bit on the, um, maybe they have something side. Uh, whereas Ben Aldridge, his character, he's much more skeptical, I think throughout the movie. Yeah. And it, and it is interesting because they, they kind of go back, um, in maybe my least favorite part of the movie. And I guess we could talk about that later but they they kind of go back and fill in their characters as to why they're certain ways um you know they kind of mm-hmm. they have these flashbacks that that kind of reveal certain things about their character um mm-hmm. personally i don't think it's all that necessary and and to me it kind of dr- weirdly drags out the pace in some ways but i i do think it works in certain circumstances and i i like how um there are moments where it's like, oh, that's that's interesting. You know, that's that's kind of a right. a new wrinkle to this character, um, and yeah. So I I mean overall I I, um, <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. Although I think there's there's I can't tell if my mind is is poisoned because of the apocalyptic um revelations fiction that i <laughs> read when i was growing up and you know that's kind of just one of those things that Wait, um, like what what like what are you talking about like left like, behind uh, i don't know if you ever read those books oh. or anything oh like um, like stuff about end of times yeah sort of yeah exactly mm-hmm. um yeah and there's there that's always been interesting to me um you know it's always been i feel like there's this weird um, when you grow up and in kind of non-denominational Christian households, that's always kind of like a cool hardcore metal 
element to <laughs> get up to it where it's like Being the guy who believes in the end times. Where it's like uh the end of the world that's kind of kind of sick actually <laughs> um you know and it's 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 a funny it's an interesting there's like a morbid um uh morbid relation to that where it's like it's like that seems very awe-inspiring and i think those are some of the things that i think about when i'm watching a movie like this where it's um sure in those books a lot of the a lot of the central uh conceit and kind of the plot element of it is um you know when you're given you know incontrovertible proof of something um how do you take it and and for most people i think it's reasonable to say um they they deny 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 you know always you know and there's this right. there's this sense that, and and that's kind of the interesting thing about this movie is that th- there's that's also the central element to um you know to much of the characters is there's this they they don't want to believe and they can't believe um but some part of them you know does actually know what's going on um and that for me that's very right. interesting and very fascinating um and i also yeah. i like i like the central question too um which is what do you do when you're convinced of something so horrible but so you know so life altering um but you know you 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 can't unsee it now you know what i mean yeah you when, can't turn what, away from it yeah what do you what do you do when you're um when you're sort of shaken awake in your uh beliefs in your convictions um right and in many ways that's this movie to a t um it's weird i don't think is this is a very like Christian movie, weirdly. I, at least I, I think yes. so. Yes. Oh, um, definitely. Definitely. Uh, um, is Shyamalan like a Christian or like he, I don't, I, I actually don't, actually I don't no know, idea. but he's done these kind of things, yeah, these kind of yeah. stories before. I mean, it's, it's a uh, faith is central to a number of his movies. Signs in particular. Um, I will, we'll have to do an episode on signs. There's so much I'd love to get into it, but I, mm-hmm. I you know, you haven't seen it. Um, he even made a movie called Wide Awake um, that he made before The Sixth Sense, uh, which is also kind of focused on questions of faith. And um, yeah, there's some wacky ass twists in that. <laughs> that movie is that movie is pretty bad, and and also just. Uh, it's the part of Shyamalan that's a little bit insane. Uh, it goes into some of those story points, but yeah, this this movie is is really it's a rich. I, we should, by the way, maybe just say like we're we're recommending the movie, and I'm I'm just gonna peel the spoiler thing off just because <laughs> yeah, I don't I think so. I feel like I'm gonna accidentally stumble into something at this point because it's hard to talk about just in general terms without talking about how where the movie goes. Um, but it's it's a it's a fascinating, and I don't tend to always watch movies in terms of analysis or trying to um, mm-hmm. like what is the meaning of the movie. I, it's not always that interesting to me. But and also even less so is does this movie have something to say about our time? Like that is generally pretty uninteresting. Um, 
But I have to say, in this case, this film, Knock at the Cabin, is does feel very potent, I think, because of both the ideas and because you, you could just watch it and be like, well, this is just kind of a movie, uh, like a home invasion movie. Like who cares? You know, I think there's, there's, and I, and talking about why people wouldn't like the movie. I think it's for people who want to see like a panic room type thriller. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting. Like I, I was pretty engaged with it. Um, especially the first time you see it where you don't know how it's going to go. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's pretty heady for someone who's just looking for the, you know, the, the panic room type movie. Yeah. And then for yeah. the people who would want to see a movie that's like really like digging into some big ideas about, um, about the world really um, are not going to, a lot of those types of people aren't going to want to see a movie where people are bringing, you know, like bashing each other's heads in with, um, you know, giant pickaxes. Like it's just not there. The audiences for that, there's not very many concentric circles for that. I think we, we're kind of like maybe the few people in the, the overlap yeah, there. But I think so. Like yeah. my mom, my mom, and part of the reason I wanted my mom to see it is she, I, I was curious what she would think. You know, she was raised, I believe it was raised Seventh-day Adventist. And she sort of has talked to, to me about this, these ideas of like the end times and that sort of thing. And I definitely was thinking of her when I first saw the movie. Um, but then, you know, when they start, you know, a part of humanity has been sacrificed and like about to bash in poor Rupert Grint's head. <laughs> she was not very happy watching that part of it. Um, so it's just, it's just not a movie that's commercially viable. And it's not a movie that's, that's viable in terms of Oscars or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it tapped to me, it taps into so much about um, it's like f- both faith, but also just modern uh, conspiracy culture, mm, uh, yeah. science, and the way like people like the difficulty of convincing anyone of anything in a world where things are so kind of chaotic and people have such a sense of distrust, and then also in a, in a in a very key aspect, um, the people who are genuinely heroic and are genuinely bringing like warnings of doom can often seem as deranged as the people who are completely delusional, the people who are just, you know, yeah, yeah, spent a little exactly. too much time on Reddit or whatever. Um, and I'm tend to be, I'm not like a person who's very like deep into conspiracy or I don't like follow that stuff very much. Um, but I have to say there, there it, it is troubling because sometimes I can, I see things online and just because of the nature of how much, you know, you can be manipulated even just on Twitter, you know, where there's so much misinformation, you're often confronted with uh, like, should I be believing this? And also, and even mm-hmm. the further step from that is like, should I be doing something about this? Um, you know, I think definitely even, even with like COVID early COVID times, I, I feel like if you had to ask us in like January, would we be like, is this going to be like a big deal? We'd be like, ah, you know, cause we've lived through other like the, you know, viruses and stuff that were like kind of nothing didn't have too big of an impact on at least us as Americans, I suppose. Um, (laughs) And then it's like a certain point you're like, Oh, maybe these people who are wearing masks are not super paranoid nutcases. Like maybe they're actually uh, have something to be concerned about. Um, But then the, the, the way he, he sort of mixes these metaphors and it can also just be about the idea of faith and, and of giving yourself into something 
that you don't know for certain, but you're just like that whole part where he's talking about the feeling he has. Um, I find that just incredibly moving how it's done mm-hmm. in the movie. And it's, and it's also done. Um, I think, did you fi- find it? You, you were basically going, these guys are telling the truth from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, it was weird. Cause I never really had a doubt partially. I think because I know the reputation of, of Shyamalan and I know he kind of takes big swings. So I'm, I'm happy to, to have this be the end of the world. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm perfectly happy to do that with, with this type of movie. I think, I think there is a, also a part of the way the movie's made where it's, it's very clear that they're, um, they could be crazy. They, they could, yeah, but, he makes them as as not crazy as possible, almost for the for the situation that they're in, um, and that's why I that's why I enjoy the the process of even the whole movie. I I love even at the end, um, you you could walk away from this movie being like, ah, it's all just a coincidence, you know, you know, they could be, exactly. it could just be, you know, whatever it is. Um, Was it just a very elaborate hate crime? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And and I, th- I, mean, I, I think I think no, but yeah, I think yeah, that's the wrong take. But you could, but there's, you could be convinced that 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 it's right. You know that it's actually just you know this kind of elaborate uh, wacky hoax, or even even less than that, just just kind of a, a weird insane coincidence that happened all at the same time. You know, um, yeah. Because Rupert Grint turns out to be the same guy, you know. There's certain yeah. parts of it where you're like, you know, this seems a little too coincidental that they're then targeting these people. Yeah. Um, um and I, 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 th- I think that's a really interesting element of the movie where, where, you know, you can end up being the person who's like, eh, you know, planes don't fall out of the sky. It's, it's whatever, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. So that's 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 pretty cool and that's i like the way that that's that's constructed in terms of um you know m- making making you second guess your yourself as well um that was definitely the experience i had watching it the first time in particular and i think this yeah. movie was more thrilling to me on first viewing because of that ambiguity of how much and i'm not sure how much it was just because it's Shyamalan and like you could see him wanting to do a, a big twist where it's just like they're piping in footage that they made and they're just <laughs> trying to get these two people to kill themselves. Um, like he would, he has done weirder things in terms of yeah. a big twist. Um, no, I'm glad, I'm glad that that wasn't the case too. I'm glad, I'm glad he kind he of plays it yeah. straight in terms of, of, you know, there's nothing at the end that kind of comes out of the, out of nowhere and surprises you. It's, it's very straightforward in, in terms of its construction. Um, other than the fact that I, I did not really expect, um, I didn't expect the turnaround for those characters. I didn't expect them to, to buy into the, to the plot. So that, that was a little surprising to me, but you know, even then I, I appreciate that in terms of, you know, the the sort of gravity of 
the situation and you know all these things are leading up culminating into into that moment i think it's a really great um part of the movie and then the um well yeah i'll just i'll leave it at that yeah i mean i i love the whole um i don't know it just really like he just brings you into it in such a way that it it, it it's so there's such an intensity to it already. It's just the the intensity of a home invasion thriller, which especially mm-hmm. for me, just like is very it's a genre I enjoy. Um, yeah, but that plus the the uh, them expressing that the world is going to end in the very kind of emotional way, and it, it feels believable the way they're t- saying it, um, and the way they're going about it. Also, like they're trying to be kind of like emotionally, like try to how can we express this information to these, this couple in a way that would be the most, you know, not, not freaking them out. Um, I was just, I, I, but I think the first time I watched it, I definitely was going back and forth. I think probably more than it sounds like you were in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, what well, is it true or not? And um, I came away with, uh, I think, a little bit less ambiguity this time because there are certain things I realized, like I think particularly having the shot of the plane falling behind them yeah, in real life yeah. is sort of like, that's where you're like, well, they couldn't really have staged that. No. Um, yeah. Of, of course. Yeah. Um, they, they could have done something with the TV feasibly. Um, and then it, it, then by the end showing they're all these Bautista and Abby Quinn and every, they're all who they said they were. I think it's definitely Shyamalan. He's not making a movie like he's not making Inception where it's like, is the top gonna fall? We don't know. You know, it's he's he's <laughs> no, making it pretty clear. clear. Yeah. It was. And also there ever all the people are watching the news in you know at the diner. So it's it's, but, it's pretty But at clear. the same time, um, you know, even even if they're they're all watching the news and whatnot, um it it could be a complete coincidence that they did this weird thing and then all that stopped. Oh, like they just timed it with they just knew these disasters were happening because in some no, cases no, no, not just... even not even that. It could just be uh, complete. There's no rationale behind it whatsoever. It just it just happened that way, and there's no plan or anything. You know, it right. just it just all ended up happening this way, and it wasn't because right. he sacrificed himself that it stopped. It just stopped because that's what it does. That's a fair point, actually, because it could be just like, and it's like then the movie would be saying it's like. It's just about the way your mind is 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 choosing to um, articulate what's really going on is more and important to ascribe really... meaning to a to a collection of, of patterns. But but then at the same time, you know what is what does that say that you could also delude yourself into believing that <laughs> that it it isn't connected. You know, so there's there's this there's this game that's being played. I think on the audience of of um really truly asking the question of how do you know um how do you know something that you can't prove essentially yeah um, and it and, and and drawing the line between faith and conspiracy and heroism in this way where it's can almost they can almost seem um overlapping is mm-hmm. just a very kind of profound idea i mean i have to say i it, it did it did cross my mind you know it's I, it's sort of an unfortunate thing to bring up but like there's a guy who just burned himself alive uh mm-hmm. yeah uh, outside the israeli em- embassy because of his beliefs and there are people who are saying this guy is just a nutcase and there are people who are saying this guy is heroic and he's standing for what he believes and it's kind of like at a certain point 
you get to a certain extreme of doing something because you believe something it's like are you are you actually insane or are you or are you both things at the same time because that's what you sort of feel watching this you know like bautista and and the the three others is just like because they seem sincere and they seem they seem like they believe it but they also do seem like they could be deluded or insane like you know yeah it doesn't it never really strikes you that they're lying that they're it's a conspiracy they, they it definitely seems like they believe what they say but there's there's many cases where people um the, this idea he talked about of shared delusions of people kind of coming together and thinking oh we both saw visions of this and we we are both you know shared by this belief but you sort of end up it becomes kind of like a self-fulfilling yeah you guys are creating your own self-fulfilling prophecies there's a great movie about this by the way called bug uh, that william friedkin made um that's that mm. sort of portrays this really well um but to yeah to, to to sort of blur the line between that and then also to show how how these um characters are broken down or how, how the couple sort of comes comes around to the other side of things um it's just really well. It's kind of amazing that the movie works because I mean it's not a terribly long movie, but to sustain the interest of the viewer for that long, when nothing really, the situation is almost unchanged. They they try to they make some escapes, attempts, and whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's a certain kind of almost like programmatic quality to it of like one person kills themselves and then another person does. Um, like you could almost just say the whole thing is stupid <laughs> i mean in a, in a certain mindset i think you could watch this movie and just be like oh please you know um yeah not to mention just the logic of my mom was really caught up in the logic of why are they, they're killing themselves but they know that their death is going to unleash a plague like why would they just not do it and to me that didn't even i like i don't think that's really well first of all you just can't think of the movie in logical terms because this is it's a metaphor it's larger than life um but I also think it's like it to me on a diegetic level, if you are to engage with it as like a serious, you know, like the world of the movie, it seems to me like whatever is happening is inevitable or they're killing themselves to like stave off the complete apocalypse, which they say is coming. It doesn't it doesn't make sense that they would kill themselves if something bad wasn't going to happen either way. Yeah. Well, I think I think what it is, is it's a, a show of um uh, it's almost like a proof of 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 sorts, Seri- yeah. You know of their the, seriousness, that yeah. And and um, sort of when they talk about, uh, it's funny because now I I can't not think of this movie in terms of of like a a biblical uh, allegory in some ways. Um, oh, definitely. There's a there's a very famous. Um, well, I don't know if it's famous. It's in the Bible. There's a story of um, you know basically god is asking this this general to make essentially what is a suicide mission um Mm -hmm. for for him and his men and uh he says i'll do it um but in the morning i'm gonna put out you know this fleece and uh there has to be dew everywhere on the ground except for the fleece if the fleece is dry then i'll you know run my um you know, run my army into, into this other army. Um, and I'll believe you that you'll protect me. Um, and then he wakes up, the fleece is, is dry and the ground is wet. Um, and so, and then he, he decides, okay, I don't think that was good enough. I'm going to, 
uh, God, if if you really want me to do this, um, I'm going to put the fleece on the ground. If the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, <laughs> then then I'll do it. Um, and then, uh-huh. you know, and then obviously God does. And then he's like, OK, well, OK, wait, 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 wait. I don't know if I'm ready yet. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Oh, again. really? Okay. And so there's this there's this sense that every time, um, you know, a miracle is presented, uh, part of you just can't accept it. There's no way right. for you to to uh, to have the proof that you need, um, and and I think that's part of sort of the the analogy in terms of um, this is sort of what what would be the irrefutable proof for you? It, what what would God have to do to come down and prove it to you right now? Like this is right. going to happen, um, and I think. In some ways, the 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 movie's answer for this is that there's there's no way but showing the consequences of what's going to happen, you know, right? It, very soon, and so and so all of these people, even if it, I don't, I I think you're right that you know diegetically this is going to happen regardless. But I think there the important part is the call and response element of it. Is you are directly right. they're asking they're asking directly. Do you, do you choose to make the sacrifice? Yes or no. Um, and in response to that, this is something that they have to do to basically prove it, um, prove that what they're saying is is true. Um, right. Oh, that's so that, totally that's what, the, the fleece thing is like. Totally, ex- like exactly what happens in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that that's a very interesting element. I also liked, um. There's this, there's this moment, and I think, you know, I guess the character of Andrew Ben Aldridge's character, he's the the one who's sort of tasked with being the skeptic, um, you know, has this very firm uh, mindset, rigid mindset. Um, in the Bible, they would call it a hard heart, a hardened heart. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and. And yeah, so so he's he's kind of the character who's um, you know tasked with with having that, um, and he makes a comment that I find to be really interesting. At one point, he says um, he says something about him being a human rights lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. Like, have you seen what people do to each other? It's not worth it. Um, you know, right. they, we should let them burn. Um, which is a very it's it's another kind of angle about this this movie that I thought about sort of in the latter half, which is, um, you know, burning the world to save your own family or to save yourself, um, kind of a, a an ultimately selfish act. That I think that's also what this is tackling in the movie, um, being plagued with something that, um you're you're sort of burdened with this this sense of why should i sacrifice something that i care about you know why should i sacrifice um you know this thing or another and right. at the same time there's like this this other justification of um they don't nobody else deserves to live i haven't done anything wrong nobody else right you know they they are they're all terrible maybe they should burn um which is kind of a it's an interesting process 
that I think a lot of people, or I think that would be the case where you're, you're in the situation, you're thinking about what would happen. Um, I think a lot of people do come to that conclusion is, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not out here, uh, killing a bunch of people. I'm not out here, you know, being a warlord in Somalia. Like, why do I have to die? You know, I'm, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, yeah. Going back and to Nolan, another... it reminds me of the... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, no I, I was just going to say, it's kind of a terrifying element to the to the movie is sort of the... Um, the sad thing about sacrifice is that it has to be something that's, that's worthy of being a sacrifice, too. Right, um, right. And that's a very scary element. <laughs> Yeah, um, this, no, this, this movie, movie taps. I mean, it's like a true horror movie where it's like it's tapping into like really real fears and things. There's a certain chill I get when I watch it. That's it's it's not like literally everything it's is saying is true, but there's a certain it's it's like making you sort of face things you don't. Want. I mean, in a way, it's like like The Irishman or like one of these like really or like Ingmar Bergman cinema where it's like we're gonna take you your eyes and make you face something that's just. Um, very troubling to think about another again another reason it's hard to recommend this movie because this is like not this is not light entertainment this is like really pretty heady stuff and then on top of just like it's gory and upsetting and you know violent um that uh yeah the whole thing it is it, it, it I, I like what you're saying about his, his skepticism because it is a kind of a two-pronged thing of both him like show me the evidence for one thing and then also his sort of nihilistic view about the world um i think that's like a very um i don't know it's, it's definitely definitely something i've thought about before just myself about like if something did if there was a miracle or if there was something or jesus came back or you know i hear you know uh the world is gonna someone said this you know and it was the truth would i ever believe it just because as the, the combination of you not wanting to believe it and it being so insane and not based in any kind of logic that I, you probably just wouldn't, I, I, I probably just wouldn't believe it. Um, I guess you believe it as this movie saying, it's like when planes start to follow the, like there starts to be like tangible things. But again, as you said, it could just be a coincidence. Even, even that could just be <laughs> very well timed by these, these people. Um, and in a way the movie also, the fact that, that the guy who, ultimately gets him to make the sacrifice it is a key detail that he has to have like a head injury and be kind of a little bit like his <laughs> mind is slightly up that yeah, he has, he's able to to make that decision i'm not that's, that's not me casting aspersions about belief or anything like that but i'm just saying in terms of like being willing willing to take that kind of leap of faith i'm willing to die um is i i, I think it's, it's definitely key that he's he's a little messed up um yeah, well, we're we're talking really about the all the, this the, thematically. It's just very it's a very interesting movie to get into. Um, I assume you you appreciated this movie on on a technical level or in terms of like cinematography because I feel like most people would just say it's boring. It's just shot in a house. But <laughs> as you're as a professional, I feel like you you can see it's you're one of the people I, I could talk to. Be like, you see how he shot that or how he's framing that or just and then just also the look of it being. A thirty-five millimeter, um, it just is fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I, I really liked 
um, a lot of what he was doing with sort of the blocking of the characters, especially when they're like, you know, they're always sort of in relation to each other. What they're trying to do is always conveyed by the by the the way that they're blocked. Um, right. You know, when there's scenes of of you know, uh, I, f- I keep forgetting the name. Andrew is the skeptic. Andrew and one. Eric. Eric yeah. is the um, the more you know, maybe the one accepting. Believes. One. Yeah. You know when he's when there was a great shot where it's kind of near the end, um, and Batista and and Batista is in the foreground, and and uh, Eric is in the is in the background. And they're kind of both on the same side against Andrew, um, who's kind of this oppositional. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When the I think it's when the plane, the news of the plane starts to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's and it's yeah, it's just kind of interesting showing, showing the way that these characters are processing things through through the blocking and through sort of. Um, where they are in relation to each other it's it's all great stuff um there's another shot that i noticed where it's the the three uh home invaders on one side the um you know the three victims on the other side and batista's in the middle um and mm-hmm. he's kind of he's the one sort of bridging the gap um right. for for all right. of them and yeah that's that's kind of another interesting element um I I want to I do want to talk. It's so hard to not talk about this movie in terms of of theme because I think that's oh yeah it, you can what go it back gets to that if you right. Um, yeah. Who is? Do you think the the characters the the home invaders um, are they are they heroes or are they villains in this story? To you personally, do you mean narratively or just morally? <laughs> I mean, yeah, morally. I mean, both. I mean, what what did what did you think of of you know these these characters? I mean, I guess given what ends up happening, they are uh, they are acting out of uh, out of good, I suppose. I mean, they're the antagonists of the film, dramatically speaking, and you find yourself rooting against them because of just the scariness of the situation. Um, uh, but at the same time. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't, they're not, they, they always, they're never crossing the line. They, they're doing anything they can to not hurt these people and to just convey, convey what they've been told. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's the most intelligent answer, but like, that's what, um, again, this is another movie that I like in the same way as Panic Room, not just as a home invasion movie, but it's a movie where you have two people or uh, two factions of characters who are in opposition to each other but you kind of are rooting for them on each side of things. Like you, you see both of them, at least in panic room, it's Forrest Whitaker. You're see, you're, you're watching half of the movie as a botched heist movie and the other half as a home invasion defense movie. And in this yeah. case, it's like, can these people convince them? And even at times there's a point, I mean, and again, it changes once you've seen the movie once, but where you, you're, you're seeing it as a movie of them convincing them of the end of the world. But then on the other hand, if you start to think they're delusional, it's a movie about people trying to talk, this couple trying to talk them off the edge or back from the edge of insanity. 
Um, yeah. Because yeah. at certain points, that's what it feels like, especially the character of Andrew kind of trying to say like, I, you know, I know. or even Eric at one point, he kind of goes like, you're having a psychotic break. This happens to people before. Like I, I understand what's happening to you and you don't understand what you're doing. Um, it's very um, sympathetic in, in both directions, I guess, other than, than uh, Rupert Grint, who just because he's, he beat up the guy in the bar um, and he's just kind of generally unpleasant, but uh, he's dispatched. <laughs> pretty quickly um <laughs> good acting by uh by our guy i don't know if i've ever seen him play someone who's not ron weasley i don't think he just hasn't yeah, done very much um since harry potter i feel like it is weird because i think all three of them kind of got st- stuck in a little bit of a hole um after harry potter oh sure um yeah because in some ways it is extremely hard to see them as anything but the Harry Potter. It's hard characters. to step out of that shadow. But but like um, Daniel Radcliffe, I've seen in other things. Like he's, he's yeah, he's done a lot of interesting work. Um, Rupert Grint, I just haven't seen. I don't know. It's also he's kind of like he's not. Uh, when you're the sidekick, it's harder to get. Like I think probably like the kind of roles <laughs> that they'd be giving to to the other two. Um, yeah, but I liked I like him a lot in this. And um, and then the other Nika uh, Amuka um, Amuki Bird and um, Abby uh, Abby Quinn, uh, both really excellent and, and very sympathetic. Yeah, that part where she talks about her her son before she's about to get killed, like very very moving. M Night Shyamalan, I just his movies have an emotional effect on me. As I was saying, even after Earth, you know, like they always they always get to me, and um, it's just very moving the work they do. Um, and same with Groff and aldridge and then dave bautista man i don't know like is this the greatest like athlete to acting transition in the history of cinema like um this guy used to be just a wrestler i mean i know wrestling is a performative thing but i mean like well it's interesting because this guy is a legit great actor in terms of of like true star power i don't think anybody has gotten past like schwarzenegger you know um (laughs) yeah i guess so even though he's not a very good actor and never was um yeah he's very charming but not no, he's not like, he's not like technically good but but it's true i mean batista i mean he is truly um he's transformative in a lot of ways um where he's not just kind of the big re- wrestler dude at this point in his career he's very much a um he's weirdly like a character actor in a lot of ways yeah he's <laughs> like, like an idiosyncratic interesting <laughs> yeah i mean guard it was funny because i think in guardians they almost kind of capitalized on the what you would expect from a wrestler being an actor which is like yeah. they kind of they make him intentionally awkward and kind of he delivers his lines very mechanically because <laughs> it's funny um but when you see this, I'll, you know, the little scene he has in Blade Runner, I remember, I think that was the first time I was like, oh, interesting. This guy's got a little bit of a different, like, speed here. Um, I actually remember, I saw the, a, a horrendous Zack Snyder movie called Army of the Dead, which is like a zombie <laughs> movie. But I remember yeah, yeah, being yeah. like, Bautista, pretty great in the movie. Like, he, he did a nice job. He was the lead, I think. Um, but this is just like where I'm like, yeah, this is this guy is he's almost like in entering the like John David Washington or like Lucas Hedges zone of like a newer actors who I'm like really like excited to see um, on screen now because um, 
Yeah, what he's I mean, I mean, like you buy that guy as a school teacher, as like a someone who talks to kids in that opening scene, like immediately yeah. the way he talks to the little girl. Um, it's so believable and so kind of empathetic the way he's interact with her and the way he kind of like he apologizes for himself and he's you know playing that little game with the questions. It's 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 really uh, quite wonderful. Yeah, I guess because um, I I was looking at the trivia for this movie and. Um, I guess that scene in in Blade Runner is what got him cast in in this movie. Basically, oh, okay. Um, Shyamalan sense. was like, "We need, you know, we need someone who is massive and also is like a great actor and can do thirty pages of just monologuing." You know, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. You know, basically, he was saying like, "This is kind of an impossible role to fill," and then he thought about Bautista from uh, from Blade Runner. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's really something. Um, is there anything else I, I want to get into? I feel like there's always more to get into with this this movie. I'm glad you liked it. I really was kind of like, you know, there's a certain mindset. I think also if you go in going like M Night Shyamalan is a bad director, <laughs> I think that's part of why people go in and yeah, they see yeah. you watch old and you're like, what's oh, the beach where people get old? Like it's like so easy to kind of make fun of. Um, <laughs> This is kind of, this is a little harder to like meme. Like the movie is so serious and without, I think that's part of why it's, I think his best movie in about 20 years is he, it's so serious. He can't really do so much like goofy stuff because sometimes the goofy stuff, I think it's funny. Like I was saying the happening is funny, but it's not like a good movie. Mm -hmm. And he, he, there's some stuff in old where you're like, Oh, was that supposed to be like? It, it, sometimes it's just a little like the the, the rapper being named Midsize Sedan, where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> what even is this? Um, and this this it's it's he kind of has to move away from that and play it a little more straight. Um, yeah, definitely. Which I think works for him, at least in this in this context. Um, I don't yeah. know. I'm I, I can't wait to see what his next movie apparently is like a one location movie and it's set at like a concert or something. Mm. Like a pop concert or something. And and it stars Josh Hartnett, who uh, speaking of Oppenheimer, very good. Um so I'm I'm pretty psyched for that. I think that comes out in August. Um Yeah. I don't know. I, I was I was taken aback a little bit at how um very openly <laughs> religious this movie is um, right yeah it's something you don't see that often but um you like it's weird because when you go into a for me when i go into a scorsese movie that's like something i'm thinking about i'm picking up on where it's like right. oh this is kind of tying into himself his faith and blah, blah. obviously like something like silence it's a little different because it's very obviously Definitely, about those yeah. things um but this i was a little blindsided um <laughs> that it's so openly uh you know kind of in that realm i guess i don't know i think i tried to sell it to you guys on that ter- those terms i feel like i i saw this and i went to like isaac's birthday a few <laughs> days later and then i was trying to like be like hey this is you know we're, we got a christian movie on our hands and you guys are like yeah whatever and um <laughs> but then later i was like am i just kind of overselling it because like i don't really know what i'm talking about when it comes to this stuff i'm glad to hear it actually is like no, this is like a legit examination of these ideas. Um, in fact, probably a better movie about because a lot of those movies, like like a, a, a God's Not Dead, are often movies about people trying to convince 
the spectacle yeah. of yeah. faith, right? <laughs> it's true. Um, and by by at least your account, these are not good films, um, no. <laughs> right? I mean, no. So it's it's nice that, that he's he made a movie that's like the good version of that. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, really weird. Yeah, really, really unique. Also, this is not. It's it. <laughs> everything about it. It's like wrapped in a shell that is so inedible for so many people. You know. Yeah, I was just With thinking. The, I was thinking like your like your mom could never watch this movie, right? No. Like this is would be so upsetting. You know. Yeah, and it's like a little. It's it's like a little scary too. I mean, I it wasn't that scary oh, for me, but like Keanu was like yeah. ah, you know. Um, when she was, oh, that was when she told me that I had to say this. Okay. So I have to say oh, this okay. before we wrap up. Um, in the beginning when, uh, God created heaven. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, in the <laughs> beginning when, uh, when she's picking up the grasshopper, you know, picking up the grasshoppers and kind of looking in the jar and she says, um, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to, uh, I think she says, I'm just going to get to I'm know just gonna you. just going to look at you, get to or, know you. I'm yeah. Ju- just going to, yeah, study you for a little while. Um, yeah. Keanu was like, is that what the people are going to say when they come to the house or whatever? <laughs> <It> did, that's <laughs> she totally immediately. Keanu is smarter uh, than me because it's only on second viewing that I was like, oh, yeah, that's like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's a nice little, uh, you know. Bit of foreshadowing, I guess you would say. Definitely. Also, a really cool foreshadowing when you see it again. The opening credits, I didn't re- process at all the first time that these are drawings of like apocalyptic imagery yeah. on yeah. like kids' homework, like stuff that these people would be doing, you know, like or, yeah, or medical, yeah. um, you know, sheets or that, like that sort of thing. So it's like, oh, these are the sketches that they've been, you know, possessed with as they're, you know, trying to go about their daily lives. Very good. Uh, uh, another bit of good foreshadowing. Um, That's know, something Night- that I want to I want to bring back that I I've always loved is opening credit sequences. Um, oh, yeah. They've gone away, and uh, I'm disappointed. I think they yeah. should come back. Maybe not. Think- maybe not quite tar level <laughs> of opening credit <laughs> Do the sequences. Whole credits? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about um, that. But maybe the you know maybe the. The way that this is done, where it's kind of this foreshadow, like something like Seven too, does that? Yeah, brilliant. Fincher was like sticks with it. Yeah, but most people not really. It was such a, um, I think it was f- such a feature of like '90s, 2000s movies, you know, and it's yeah. just it's gone away. But. Yeah, I think Fincher kind of brought it back a little bit. It's weird how they'd go through different eras of because it was always you always did it. There was no credits at the end for movies for about yeah. Yeah. sixty years or so. And I kind of feel like it was Star Wars, maybe, that was like one of the first where they didn't have credits. I, I, it's probably not just Star Wars, but there, it was around the 70s that you see kind of the first movies that just do the title. Um, because movies that do the title and nothing else, other than Citizen Kane, I'm not even sure if I can think of any from before like 1960. Um, I'm sure some smarter person than me will come up with, oh, there's this obscure movie, but not that I can think of. Um, and then the eighties, it's weird. The eighties is all te- text on screen. It's like Woody Allen style credits where it's just mm-hmm. white on black, like Blade Runner, all these movies, field of dreams. They always Star Trek movies. Um, and I feel like it's the nineties where they, there's like more creative stuff that starts to, you know, like Fincher, like having a, almost like a music video for the opening. Um, 
but yeah, it has kind of gone away. And it's, it's just Woody Allen has been doing the same opening credit sequence for 50 years now. <laughs> just the <laughs> this exact same font, exact same, uh, you know, sort of style. Um, and Shyamalan likes to do it and Fincher does, but it's not really. I think Nolan, honestly, has he, he he's definitely been a big uh, impact on it not happening because Nolan sometimes doesn't even do the title of the movie until the end. Right. Like he drops the <laughs> yeah, title, that's true. Yeah. The dark night and the movie ends. This um, was all, this was the, the opening scene to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was the oh, whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, that's interesting though. I think memento maybe does have an opening credits actually. Hmm. I can't remember. I feel like it, you see the photograph developing or undeveloping and you see the titles on screen. Anyway, I was going to say, by the way, the Nolan comparison I was going to make was when you were talking about the whole story of like sacrifice of being like when you're pushed to the um, really make the choice. It was totally making me think of the Dark Knight. This is like where my mind goes this is the Dark Knight and the guy on the ferry because he has this whole thing yeah. of like these people made their choices. You know, we we should get to live. And it's yeah. like when it comes to pulling that trigger, then you're like, mm, maybe I don't I don't have the the balls to do this or not the balls, yeah. but like, you know, you can't you can't live with yourself. Um, also, it's it's different too. Where, um, you know, th- this is the this is always the trolley pl- problem, whatever you know. Um, oh yeah. But you know where you know he has to be the one to blow up the 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 receiver. You know he has to be the one to pull the trigger. Um, right. In this movie, it's even less friction. You know because they don't have to do anything. the The hard part is the part that is going to save you know humanity um but if they do nothing that it's it's technically it's not really even their responsibility i mean in a moral sense um right you know yeah they, they weren't right. the one they, diverting the um the 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 tracks to hit the one person instead of the seven billion people you know <laughs> you could even wash your hands of it completely just by being like, like we thought these people were insane they broke into our like you could your your mind could do the gymnastics to justify it you know but then imagine um, if you're the only one alive you're just wandering the world forever knowing that you could yeah. save the saved the world um yes you know, yeah that would that would suck the horror of that i mean <laughs> yeah by the way what was your you you asked me the question of like were they the good guys or i forget what you said about the the quartet, the four horsemen, as it turns out at the end. Um, yeah. But what was your answer to that question about them being, you you were saying they are the protagonists or what um, Yeah. I think, I think they are um, not narratively, but like, you know, in yeah. Terms of, yeah. Yeah. It's hard because it's like, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, you have to, you have to kill one person to save a billion of course you would do it, you know, of, right. of, you know, that's, that's everybody's go to mathematics is, is yeah. yes. Um, but if you have to kill a billion to sit, uh, or if you have to kill your son to, to, to save a billion people, that's a much harder, it's a much harder question. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. I think, um, it's, it's interesting. I was reading, the 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 ending of the book is very different, mm-hmm. and and actually the ending of the original script, Shyamalan, it's co-credited to him and a couple other guys, and those guys' original script is a totally different. I think Wen is killed accidentally, 
by yeah. someone. Oh, do you know about this? Did you look this up? I I was reading kind of the plot summary of the book, and yeah, the oh okay, you might know this better than yeah. yeah. I'm just going from what I remember, but um, she's killed, and then Bautista or his character kills himself, and then they just walk the earth, right? Like they just let the world end. Is that correct? Um, I think so. I don't. It doesn't don't end with remember. them killing each other, yeah, or killing yeah. one or the other. Yeah, I don't so, think they make the sacrifice in the book. So I guess it's the ambiguity is like, is this really the end of the world? We don't really know. Um, yeah. But I I don't think I like that ending as much as the one <laughs> they do. I mean, I know yeah. there's there's a commercial like reason, like no one no one is gonna want to make a movie where the kid gets killed accident. Like that's just so kind of upsetting. Sure. Um, yeah. And and even for me, like I, you know, that would just be I mean, in an already like harrowing movie. That would be a lot to take in. Um, but I think it's kind of better that it's about them coming into some kind of belief. I mean, you what you would lose is like to me, like kind of the scene that I don't know if it's the, it might be the best scene in the movie. I mean, it's an incredible scene when when he makes the when he says I'm ready and that whole thing and he imagines their future. Yeah, you would lose that scene, and I just think that's like, I mean, is that the best use of the um, POV camera work since like Silence of the Lambs? Like it's like absolutely mm. incredible how he does that, and they're circling and the light coming in behind Groff. Um, not to mention just the way he he the way he talks about it as like this is something that's maybe this has happened over time. I don't even know what that means, but like it gives me chills when I hear him say that. Um, like it's just, it's just kind of poetic and beautiful. Um, and he said, my, what does he say? Like, my heart is like, my heart is set and like, kill me while I'm, you know, I have this memory of, of you and her, like this whole thing he, he, he says as, as it's happening. Um, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's pretty wonderful. Um, yeah. Did you think the thing with the shower was dumb? Uh, yeah, I, well, I thought the, (laughs) them locking him in the bathroom was, was dumb because there's a window in there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little (laughs) bit of the thing where you have to be like, it's a movie, I think, where it's like, I feel like if you were to take this movie literally of like, what would happen in real life? You would shoot that guy the minute you get a gun. Well, yeah, a guy that yeah, big. 100%. Yeah, I mean, like we were also talking about like self defense. Like we were, we, were, we were talking about like it was when is it justified to shoot another person to kill another person? Yeah, I think a guy has broken into your house and there's been two <laughs> ritual suicides and he's beating up your husband. <laughs> I think Definitely. that's you. You shoot that guy without question. That but qualifies. Course, then, that qualifies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But then it's yeah, then you don't have the movie, so it's it's fine. It just I just feel like it's a little. The shower thing, I just both times I've watched it is the only part where I'm like a little bit like this is not quite on the it's just a little it, they're having to fudge it a bit. Also, um, another very but, movie like thing that I, I not to say that this is unrealistic because I'm sure a lot of people do do this. Um, yeah, I'll just recommend against it. Uh, so, you know, just as a fair warning, um, he he has he brings his gun to this cabin um but he leaves it in his car 
unloaded, unloaded. without even yeah. a magazine <laughs> in the you know that that's ready to go. Um, yep. <laughs> how useless is that? Is that gun? I mean, I really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't want to bring it in, and you know, it's the blah blah blah. But like, what are you? I mean, seriously, why are you? Bringing that's actually it a good. Then, you know, that's actually that to me. I do believe though, because in terms of yeah, one hundred percent. Them him not People bringing it that. in. Yeah, because because uh, also of uh, the kid. Though I'm not sure if that was a safe. Was was that a portable safe? Like you just bring the yeah. safe in. Yeah, it looked like it. It was just. Yeah, a, he probably should have just brought it. But on the other hand, I'm also like, there are people. I believe that there are people who do stupid things with guns, especially people oh, yeah, who are yeah. like new gun owners who impulsively buy it. What? And then there's like people, and also there's people who are they want self defense, but they're also scared of guns. And yeah, I feel like yeah. th- that, that could have been the be- guy, you know? Yeah, it, you can totally. believe it because, and actually, that kind of makes you also believe he wouldn't shoot um, Bautista because he's like, you know, not not he's not <laughs> a, a Navy SEAL, you know? He's just like, oh, yeah, I don't want to, you know. I don't want any of this on my hands. Which I, and also, you know, thematically, maybe that's kind of connects well with the rest of the movie. It's like I, he he says he hates the world, and you know, and has good reason even to to be very cynical. But when it comes down to it, he can't even shoot the guy who's threatening his family. Like maybe that's not not a you know, cinema sins would would knock that as a being a plot hole or whatever. But no, 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 it's, it's I, I wasn't kind of kind of worse. I wasn't saying that it was a plot hole either. I mean, I, did, I don't think it is. I think that's that's probably more realistic than the alternative. I'm just saying I recommend no, you're giving you're that, giving you know? advice. You're giving good and it's good advice. Um, if you're yeah, going to definitely bring it, make it usable, you know, don't don't put yourself oh, yeah. in a situation where you got to run to the car, unlock it load it up and then <laughs> then you're ready i mean no every every gun my dad has owned has been not even you don't have to cock it or even no one no one goes the yeah tsk, tsk. Movie, people in movies love doing that because it's cool you know going tsk, tsk. but every time that happens in a movie my dad dies inside because he's like a gun shouldn't be like that it should be completely <laughs> you should pull that trigger and it immediately fires um but yeah li- since i was a little kid every gun is Pull the trigger. That's it. Um, but you know, not everyone is as trained as you know yeah. some people are. And I, I, I probably would be more worried, especially if I had a kid and blah blah blah. And you know, I, I'm well That's aware true. of the the dangers and whatnot. I just, um, to me, why have it if it's not ready to be used? You know, you could even just put the, you know, put the ammo next to it. You know, but in the in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> Sure. Or just, yeah. But honestly, for, for, for Shyamalan standards, I, there's always like a little, as much as I love the guy, I always have to have some caveats, but this movie, I'm not, I'm not, if the worst thing is like the shower thing is a little kind of like, you know, like porno logic. It's like, it's not the worst. (laughs) It's not the worst thing you could, you could say about it. Um, Yeah. No, it's, it's even then it's, it's an, exciting scene in a lot of ways you know there's the yeah you know the is he in the the shower blah blah blah. you know there's there is something you know sort of engaging about it i think it's stupid just because you know i mean come on you're gonna lock a guy in in a room that has a window (laughs) yeah i guess what would you do what would be the best move if you don't want to kill the guy well what are they trying to do they're trying to get they're yeah. trying to get down the road. Yeah. 
they have to they have to hold him in a place because also just like that guy is just gonna he could just break down the door if he wanted to he's so big just um, just just lead him with the gun i mean what oh know, yeah they guess lead they could him just with that. the gun to the car show us to the car yeah i guess he could just we're gonna drive know. you to the police station and you're gonna get some <laughs> psychiatric medication need some help dave bautista <laughs> yeah this this uh you know again it's it's this is a movie that works on much like tenet you know it's like don't have to understand it you just feel it and i think i, I think, think this not, movie makes be, a lot more sense than tenet, oh, oh no for sure for sure <laughs> i mean and it's a better movie for sure but it's um you know it, it works on it works on emotional terms and i think i think yeah. in a way his work in general speaks to maybe how I feel about films and maybe it's different than how a lot of people or some people do, which is it's um, how something makes you feel, how something affects you is a lot more important than what it is. um, What, how much it makes sense or how much it's like believable in the literal sense. Um, Yeah. I was, there's a mindset you could watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That, you know, um, there was a Villeneuve. There was a um, there was an article about him circulating. He, yeah, he did like some right. interview about how television has kind of ruined and like dialogue has ruined movies in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, yeah. that movies are are this sort of visual art form. Um, and you know, I tend to agree with him, and I I actually think that's the defining line for a lot of people on whether or not they like his movies. They understand cinema. Denis in, or, or Shyamalan? No, Denis, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people... Maybe Shyamalan too, too. Yeah, maybe. Um, a lot of people don't like his movies like Dune and like, um, you know, like Blade Runner because they're... They're, I would say, high concept but visual stories. You know, they're not really about the plot and they're not really heavy on sort of the, the the individual things that that happen throughout the movie they're they're much more about the way things are told visually um yeah the experience and he just understands that he understands that more than um more than i think almost anyone who's working right now so yeah yeah um yeah i think i think Shyamalan is is in that camp in in some ways i mean he he's having a great visual sense can't protect you from like a lady in the water level script, you know, like it, you, there's a certain point and I'm sure Villeneuve people are acting like Villeneuve was denigrating screenwriting. Like I'm sure he's not, he knows it's important. And by the way, there's some like, like great memorable uh, dialogue in all of Villeneuve's move. I mean, sometimes you love someone, you have to be a stranger, you know, like in Blade Runner, there's some great stuff in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, at a certain point, you have to sort of give yourself into the experience in just a kind of a, in an emotional sense, and I think that's the best way to uh, to go into Shyamalan's movies. Um, not that all of them are successful at that, but but definitely this one is. I think old is in the same way, where it's just like, yeah, you can shove shove aside some of the problems the movie has. Uh, you're left with a pretty touching contemplation about uh, aging and the passage of time. Um, uh, and certainly that's true of his, his earlier movies as well. Um, so this this is this is definitely high on my on my twenty twenty three 
list. I think I, it's it's definitely it's definitely up there. Uh, I don't know about yourself. Well, I guess we'll do our lists in a few weeks. But um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you I liked, liked it, it quite a bit. I, I did, very relieved. Yeah. yeah. Um, surprisingly, I, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> well, I guess that's all I have to say about the movie. Uh, anything yeah, else? You too. Uh, no, excited to see Dune with you this weekend. We might do that for the show. Yeah. I think maybe, but um, if Isaac can see yeah. it by that time, um, cause I wouldn't want to leave him off the, he's the biggest Dune head I know, but I know. Yeah. Or at least the movies, but yeah. Uh, yeah, um, that should be fun. Yeah, well, uh, I guess we'll talk to you guys next week.